the working experience. Route 93 North is almost at a standstill. It's a rough one out there this morning. Snow and sleet. There is no service on the... Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Uh, Yeah, folks, we're going to be a few minutes. We have train traffic ahead of us. We should be moving shortly. Y'all need that report ASAP. Where are we on that presentation? And HR wants to see you. Did you return that email yet? We have a team meeting at 10. To stay late, Bob. Teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> They're moving in a different direction. And after the meeting, we'll have a breakout session. Who ate my Where are my hot pockets? This microwave is disgusting. Oh, God, what's that? He was no. living his toenails at his desk. I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. Okay, uh, thanks for tuning in again. I am here with a good friend of mine from Fordham, Drew Ackerman. Hey, Maddie, thanks for having me on. Now, this is the inaugural... Not only have I never done a podcast on Skype, I've never been on Skype. And I really didn't believe it worked. But I'm actually looking at Drew right now, who is in Almeda. Yeah, in the California, so we're across the country. It's unbelievable. You've been de Delight, delighted, delightedite, or delightedite? <laughs> you know, a, a friend of uh, my friend Tony. I don't know if you ever met Jeremy. He referred to me as a neo luddite one time. <laughs> I, I like that. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice. I mean, that's catchy. Neo luddite, yeah. So, um, John, I talked to John yesterday. Actually, we did a podcast. We talked about the Harvey Weinstein uh, scenario, and I know you have been the victim of sexual harassment more than once in your your work. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean to make a crass joke out of it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we you know, we 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 talked about Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, that I mean that is like a working workplace disaster. I mean, it looks like it's going to implode an entire company. Yeah. Uh, just his actions is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, we were we were talking sort of about that. Uh, the you know it's like bad enough you have to go to some soul crushing job, but then put up with that, you know it's just uh, another layer. Yeah, yeah, it really seems like uh, he was like uh, like a, like a, a giant child that just did whatever he wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, it's disturbing. Yeah. 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 So that that podcast wasn't a barrel of laughs. So we'll try to get back to <laughs> the lighter side of. Uh, so um, just to plug here, Drew has a very successful uh, podcast called Sleep with Me. You were written up in the New York Times, uh, some other places too. Yeah, so it's a, a podcast to put people to sleep. I do what I do best, which is uh, bore people with my <laughs> rambling uh, and uh, nonstop tangents about uh, inane details. And, uh, that is exactly yeah. how I teach. Yeah, I teach <laughs> high school English. So, yes, that's what I do. Yeah, it's just like a warm classroom on a spring day right. when you've just had lunch. That's the, uh, the feel of the podcast. And Mr... Mr. Kerr going, and in what way does the protagonist emphasize his alien? And the kids are like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, it's like where your mind stops listening and you're just, you, the noise starts to slowly drift right. away. <laughs> well, your, your podcast, I've seen um, a lot of feedback where people do say it really helps them with insomnia and that kind of thing. And that's great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I had, like, really bad insomnia as a kid, so it was, like, always something I was interested in is something more goofy 
that actually uh, puts people to sleep. Uh, yeah. and I guess it turns out I found my calling. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Uh, the the feedback's really uh, great, and and I was um, we were talking about the way you structured it too. So it's a story, and you dissect an episode of a show. Is that correct? Oop, you froze up on me. Hello, hello, hello. Okay, here we go. Okay, so, uh, yeah, we had a few interruptions there, but we're back. And um, Drew was talking about the sort of construct of his podcast. Yeah, so it's like a goofy kind of bedtime story podcast, uh, like for adults, like silly kind of humor. Uh, for people that like guided meditations or serious stuff doesn't work for, uh, right. just to help them fall asleep. So you, you write a story, is that correct? Yeah, so there's three episodes a week. So one episode I write a story, one episode I make up a story, uh, like on the spot, and then one episode I do like TV recap. So oh. uh, yeah, it's, like you know from already making a podcast, like three times a week is not uh, recommended. Uh, That's a lot. Yeah, it's, it's uh, but for people that are falling asleep, I always thought about it like, oh, you'd want more than one episode a week. So how many episodes do you have like on your website right now? Just past 600 episodes last wow. week. So, so yeah, it's been, uh, I've been doing it for four years. So it's like a slow, I can't believe, uh, I think I, uh, I, don't, I, yeah, I stopped recording the episodes in my brain a long time ago. Yeah. 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 So, uh, people have, will soon have like two years of podcasts they can listen to. Yeah, they could sleep. Like, if someone wants to go to sleep and wake up a few months from now, or maybe, like, I could sell it to the government for cryogenic pods <laughs> or something like that. Definitely. Be a big moneymaker. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, yeah, uh, Drew and I are kind of cross-pollinating here, which I, uh, from what from what you said, is pretty common in the podcast world. Yeah, like, uh, and it, I was thinking about, like, work, the working experience and listening to your shows and... Uh, like I too have never worked in a corporate environment, so it's always interesting hearing these like uh, wild corporate tales. I know. But then I was like, I was like, man, like uh, I've worked with, uh, I've been a teacher, I've been a cashier at a grocery store, I've been like a uh, kind of a cleaner janitor at an apartment building, I've delivered mattresses, I've worked in a library. I think the working experience that ties that together is always like my lack of patience with uh, customers and, pa and, uh, <laughs> and patrons or whatever. Like, uh, yeah. so I haven't been a shining example of the working experience always in my uh, work history. Yeah, I, I mean, mostly I've been in education, but uh, certainly I've had the, uh, you know, I collected tolls. I was the guy in the toll booth. Uh, which is that? That was the um, summer after we graduated. Didn't you win that award? Most likely to uh, work in a toll booth. I think, yeah. Uh, go, or was that most likely go off like uh, into the forest after working in a toll booth and live in a cabin? Right. Board? Well, you know, the best thing was, and I won't name the guy because uh, I did go to high school with him though, and he did go to Fordham, and this was the year after we graduated. Uh, I'm in the toll booth 
And he comes through the toll booth driving a van of elderly people. <laughs> and we didn't even acknowledge each other. Like, it was just too painful, you know? That sounds like a uh, like the beginning of a movie. Like, I know. Was it a uh, Michael Keaton movie with that? Uh, uh, he I, drives I, around with yeah. a band of uh, older adults and they play Kick the Can at a <laughs> natural spring or something like that? I, I didn't see that one. Was that Multiplicity? I don't think I saw that one. It's funny you say that because uh, that's like one of the big regrets I have. I don't know if I've shared this publicly in my working life. Is uh, so in the summers when I was going to college, and in the winter breaks and the spring breaks, I would work as a cleaner in these uh, apartment buildings, and they were uh, subsidized apartment buildings for older adults that were still independent living. And so I was like the janitor there, and I would clean the toilets. And at some point, uh, like my patience kind of like would wear thin through the summer, and you know I still tried to work very hard and be polite. So, and because I'm kind of a coward, I guess like <laughs> I, I like tried to find like a passive aggressive ways to like express my anger, and uh, I would start around July. I would start whistling Christmas carols like as I was like sweeping and. and and, and I'd go into these common areas where there'd be all these, like, uh, people knitting or drinking tea. And I'd just start vacuuming. And I'd be like, you know, like, any Christmas carol you want, I'd be whistling it and whistling it. And I would get closer and closer, and I would monitor it to see if anyone was catching on. And then I would keep doing it as I saw people start to look at me, like, and then I'd get in the elevator with them, and I'd keep, and they'd be like, it's not Christmas. Like, what are you doing? Why are you whistling? And then I would just, uh, this is terrible. I feel like Chuck from the Goonies. And then I'd say, then I'd just start singing it. Like, I'd act like, I'd be like, Santa Claus is coming to town. And uh, I don't know. I think uh, that's a terrible uh, customer service, I, I think. Uh, and uh, I don't know. How would you as an HR person address that? Well, I... Uh... I would have to think that the the old people were saying that boy's not right in the head or something. You know, they probably thought you were, well, if I was HR talking to the old people, I would have told them you were special needs and that you came from a school and, you know, you just, that was, or I don't know, you had some syndrome or something like that and, and you're just not right in the head. So we let that's you. It's pretty, pretty accurate, I guess. I have, like, <laughs> syndrome. And, uh... so, you know, I, I just explain it to them like that, and to you, I might say, "Well, you know who's really good at the, you know Nick Norden." Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Remember Nick? He, I don't know if you listen to his podcast, but Nick worked in HR, so he really, oh, man. yeah, he has the window into all this. So apparently, everything is handled with. It's not you that's the problem. It's it's the manual and, you know, like, Code 32A discourages any kind of disruptive behavior. And, you know, we love you, Drew. It's great and everything. It's just, it's the code. You know, it's, it's the handbook and you're in violation of the handbook. Or I might just tell you you're fired and get out because the old people are getting very agitated by you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so... Yeah, I mean, I guess if you had a time machine and you went back, it would make be like, okay, you're whistling Christmas carols in July, and you're boring. It, it, once you hit forty, you're boring people to uh, sleep as an adult. So <laughs> just sort of hit the fast forward button. <laughs> what about 
about in uh, the toll booth? Did anything else uh, strange ever happen when you were working in the toll booth? Well, I probably already told the story. I think we did a podcast where I brought it up, but I, I received a ra- I quit. I only lasted two months, and then I went to work for a temp agency because I was moving to Colorado in October, but I just couldn't hack it. It was awful. And I'd been hauled before the man a couple of times for my drawer being off. Like, either I was short money or I had too much money. Because there was no cash register. So I was supposed to do this math in my head, which I'm not good at. I tend to panic at the drop of a hat. You know, that sort of thing. So I received a rather... uh, I quit. And then I received a rather strongly worded letter with my last paycheck. Basically detailing all of my detriments as a toll taker. Uh, And they had numbers to back it up, too. Like, on this day, your drawer was short this much. On this day, your drawer was over this much. I figure the over and the unders should even themselves out. And, you know, I obviously wasn't stealing money because sometimes there's too much money. So I don't know. Right, that's pr- that's proof. Like, yeah, right. if it all balances out, like, uh, I'm just you have inc- that framed, that letter framed somewhere. I, I, maybe kicking around somewhere, but you know, I just my argument was yes, I'm incompetent. No, no argument from me there. I am not a thief. I'm way too incompetent to be a thief. It's no moral thing on my end. So yeah, apparently one more strike had I stayed, and I would have been hauled up before the big boys to account for my sins. So. The titans of toll collection, they would have been like... Uh... Yep. <laughs> yep. And it's, it's, as I said to John Brancaccio when we were talking about this, it's the type of job you can never do well. Like, even vacuuming, cleaning the toilets, like, you're performing service for someone, and, oh, great, you know, the, the rug's clean, bathroom's clean. Taking tolls, no one was ever like, wow, that guy in lane five was on fire today. Did you see him? (laughs) You know, like, no one's glad to see you. You haven't even served them food. Like, nothing. So... It's it's yeah, soul crushing. There's really only a downside. Like you can't be too only slow. Downside. Yeah, you that's can it. Mess up, mess up the the yeah. math. Uh, yeah. Or annoy people. Or yeah. well, you're just annoy. It. Your very presence annoys people. So that's you know right there. Yeah, you know, there's no upside. Correct. Only what about downside. Dro- did you ever drop any money? Like uh, I could, I, that would be a fear of mine. It's like dropping it into the road or something. I'm, like, sh- uh, I'm sure I did that. Yeah, I mean, I'm. Well, if someone like disputed the change I gave them, I would basically just hand them more money and be like, "Okay, here." Like I was in no position to argue. I was like, you, you know, they're like, "You gave me change for a ten. I gave you a 20 I'd be like, "Fine, here you go. Like whatever, just go away." So, there you go. Lack of professionalism, I suppose you could say, has marked much of my career. Yeah. 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 I was a cashier at a grocery store. I had the same issue. Like, my like, there was one time there was like checks missing from my till, and, and they like brought me in, and there was the security was there, and they're oh. like, "You're missing this check for like 180 dollars. Like, uh, where is it?" And I'm like. It's a checkmate. I was like, I don't like, uh, should be in the tip. I don't know where it is. Like, uh, like why would I have a check for a, like how, how much of a fool do you take? Like, I'm going to go to the bank and say, Oh yeah, my name's uh, Joe grocery. Uh, like, can I cash this check? Like, uh, like I think like, uh, I knew my days were numbered there. Cause I was like, you gotta be kidding. Are you kidding me? Like, uh, so, but yeah, I had the same problem. I was like constantly off, uh, 
And yeah, I yeah. guess I learned that stay away from math. Uh, no. Or math related jobs. No. I, I had one job for about three weeks at an Aubon pan, and I had to wear a beret. And like, that was just a nightmare. It was just like, you know, I'd mess up the order. And from my end, I'm like, all right, so what? So you didn't get tomatoes on it. Like, who cares, really? You know, oh, no, they care. So that that lasted three weeks. And then I worked at Coca-Cola. I really liked that job. It was just Did like... Did you get free soda? Oh, yeah, you got free soda. And you just, like, walk around stacking crates of soda onto pallets. Like, you know, it was boring, but, like, no one bothered you. And, like, that was more my speed. Yeah, job without interaction with humans. Absolutely. That's, those are my favorite jobs, too. Absolutely. Yeah, and, yeah, I kind of... I mean, I'm, I'm probably viewing this through rosy-colored lens of history, but, uh, you know, I kind of miss that job. It was, you know, just kind of no stress, you know? You just walk around, stack up the cases, and there you go. Well, what about as a teacher? Like, I guess I've always wondered... I don't think it's possible nowadays, but, like... I was I was a teacher for a very short time. I what did you PE, teach? Nice. And then, uh, I did that. Uh, I did that for a period of time. Yeah, that was always challenging because it was like I was doing it through K through eight, and it was like I don't have any. How do you come up with games that the little kids don't get hurt or the big kids don't bully each other? It was always <laughs> like uh, it, it was so stressful. I'm like ah. It like, is stressful. Yeah, people don't think that it's stressful. Yeah, I think that's definitely. I think a PE teacher. I think they should pay about one hundred eighty thousand dollars a year. It would be a fair, fair, <laughs> fair wage for a fair teacher. wage. What? Uh, where was this? Was this California? Yeah, this was in East LA. Nice. Uh, I was like doing a teaching like volunteer program. Oh yeah, and, yeah, uh, I remember this. Yeah. My favorite part about the job was always joking around with the kids. I, I guess because I was like a second grade. I think I have a second grade maturity level anyway. <laughs> so it's like, oh yeah, like, uh, or or like. I, I did come up with this game with the little kids where I found a giant kickball and we would play kickball. And if they didn't kick it right, it would like totally like plow into them like a <laughs> bunch, bunch of uh, bowling pins. And uh, that, that didn't last for very long. until I realized, uh, but I always think about like teachers, I think with the internet now and email parents could nip this in the bud, but maybe 10 or 20 years ago, like, teachers that espouse like serious conspiracies like that are history teachers at grammar school like i'm always like why didn't i ever get a teacher like that that was like okay your parents aren't going to tell you this the aliens are real like like or the earth is flat i mean i guess that one is that movement's kind of gaining ground again but uh yeah i think now parents like exchange so many emails that being a teacher's got to be a lot more difficult well, it is weird when I come into school on a Monday morning and a kid will say, did you get my email last night? I'm like, it was Sunday night. Like sometimes <laughs> emails, they're coming in at 11 o'clock at night. I'm like, I was in bed for like three hours by the time you <laughs> sent that. So that, yeah, that access and it's like, yeah, you get parents. I mean, not, I don't, I haven't gotten too many, but you do have a lot of people coming at you. You've got like special education you've got guidance counselors you've got other teachers you've got administration you have parents you have kids some of it makes it a lot easier because like they email me their essays and i'm like you know they'll say why well, I, I sent it to you i'm like no you didn't because i just did a search and oh oh i thought i did 
course you thought you did. Yeah, so let's... You know, I'm not, like, a real stickler for deadlines and things, but, you know, it's... Uh, yeah, it's a lot. Like, I mean, I have over 100 students, so it's like Oof, trying yeah. to juggle everybody. But it's funny. They're all, like, really nice kids. Like, I don't have any real behavior problems and, you know. But, uh, yeah, it's a lot to, it's definitely a lot to bite off. But I always remember those, like, you know, menial labor jobs. Like, I worked in a steel factory. I still have a scar in my arm from that. I drove a bus in Colorado. That was fun. I liked that, but uh, when actually when I was driving in Colorado, I was driving a bunch of uh, skiers up to the mountain. Like we drive to the parking lot, pick them up, drive up, and there was this like hairpin turn you had to go around. So I'm driving up, take the turn. There's another bus coming the other way, and I heard this bang, and every one of my bus goes silent. I'm just, <laughs> I have no idea what happened. So I'm driving along, driving along. Stop at the ski area. They're all getting off and they're all looking at me. And I'm like, it's good. you know, I don't know what's going on. So I wait a little while, start on my route again, go down. The other bus is sitting by the side of the road. Apparently we came so close, I clipped his rearview mirror with my rearview mirror and knocked it off. Mine oh, was fine. So we nearly... And I guess it must have looked pretty gnarly from the back of the bus. Like, they thought we were going to collide. I didn't know a thing happened. I was just like, he's he like waves me down. He's like, he was all freaked out. And I don't know, just from my end of it, I was like, oh. And no one ever said anything. Like, I thought, oh my God, like, you know, something terrible. Somebody's going to complain or whatever. Nothing ever happened. I was like. All right. <laughs> so they're, they're like next time he's gonna he's not gonna pull away. Right. Yeah, I wanted to see who was gonna blink first. <laughs> but yeah, I kind of you know this. It, it's funny though, like the class of people that you meet. Like you know, you and I are both college graduates. Move out to Colorado, this small town, and there is just this underbelly of America of like, you know these guys who are not like migrant workers as you would think like they were born here you know and they like have warrants out for them they just bounce from job to job it's just like you know they tell these crazy stories and it's like this really rootless and it's probably only grown in the last 20 years they, like, lived in company housing. It was, like, something out of the grapes of wrath. It was just, like, oh, my God. Like, and this is how they live. Yeah, that's uh, that's that sounds intense. Except, uh, I guess, like, I've, I've kind of, uh, I'm like, man, I think I, I don't know how many jobs I've had as an adult, but it's definitely in the uh, double digits. So. <laughs> Wait a second, that sounds a little bit like me. Ruthless? Well, you know, like, I mean, just, it's like, they work for a while. This wasn't really the people I worked with. It was more my brother because he lived out there before I did. And it's like, you know, work for a while, get drunk, get fired from your job, show up, tell you, you know, maybe take a swing at your boss or something like that, get fired, get kicked out of the housing and just on to the next thing, you know, just, I mean, these are people like in their thirties, like not, you know, a 22 year old kid. And that, that was it. That That's, that's life. There you go. Like, and then from some of the letters you've read on the show, like uh, then they become 
human resource manager. <laughs> right. yeah, it exactly. seems like well, the, the bathroom <laughs> rules and the uh, food rules. I think we talked about that bathroom memo that the woman, I think she was from, or she was from San Francisco, wrote about, you know, keeping your eyes face forward at the urinal and whatnot. Yeah. And I'm thinking, I always peek. What are you talking about? <laughs> I always take a look. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, oh, wait, you've had 15 jobs in the past uh, 12 years. It's You'd be perfect for a human resource manager. You have a lot of experience. Yeah, yeah. you seem to know people. <laughs> you seem to know people very well. You do very well. Yeah, I don't know. It's like uh, people who, I, I sort of feel like you read some of these things and human resources sort of has to justify its own existence. So they have to come up with these things, like you know, what foods you should be microwaving in the break room or not. Or, you know, we all have to have this meeting because, you know, somebody's Indian food stinks and, you know, but now you're going to get into a whole ethnic sensitivity problem. <laughs> it's just, it's endless. It's sort of, you know, and then somebody like at Nick Norton's company has uh, for a screensaver a picture of his penis. Which <laughs> should be, that should be that should be instant fire. I mean that one. It should like some of the stuff should be common sense. It's like okay, you could have to. You should. Yeah. There shows me a computer algorithm that says okay, you're fired. Like it doesn't even have to go to HR. It's no. like Did you just upload? Like did you just visit that website at work? Okay, you 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 could leave. Like you're locked out of the system. Well, it was unclear. It was not a a website. It was a picture from like a phone apparently. It was unclear if it was his genitalia or perhaps a friend of his or whatever. But why you would have that on your screen and work, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's, I guess, like where human resources, because it's like, what do you think? Like, uh, I can see people justifying that too and be like, well, it's my business. It's my, well, first of all, it's not your computer. Right. Second of all, the other people got it. People got to come to work, not by choice necessarily, because... <sighs> And it's like, they don't want to be exposed to that. Like, uh, no, no. (laughs) I don't know. You know, personally, if I walked by some guy's desk and I saw that, like, I wouldn't say anything to anybody. (laughs) I just would, I wouldn't even mention it. I'd just be like, I don't, I don't even want to get involved with this. I don't know. I think I would lose it. And then I would be the one that I would probably be the one that got fired. I'd be like, like because usually those people are like uh craftier too or they don't care so it's like i'm like what are i they're like i don't i don't care like uh yeah my computer i get or there must be some like self-destructive sabotaging like what why would you do that like that's really yeah like i don't well it sort of puts me in mind of joe guarino told a story i don't know if you listen to this one but it was a guy who worked at his company. He works for like one of those big telecommunications companies. And this guy wasn't, you know, really firing on all synapses. Like he would, he wasn't really doing his job very well. And, you know, they would try to talk, like Joe would try to talk to him. And he said, he just, apparently he wasn't getting it. So now the manager has to call him in or, or one of the higher ups. And when that happens, I guess, you know, when they talk about sort of, remanaging your employment that's code for you know you're kind of on your way out here you gotta you know 
So he said to the manager, which the manager told Joe, he said after some conversation, well, I'm, you have to understand I'm a heb, H-E-B, a heb, which the manager then asked, what, what's a heb? A highly evolved being. That was his answer. He's a highly evolved being. And apparently he wore this like crystal around his neck, which I don't know, powers or what. I know some people are into crystals kind of thing. And I, I guess the manager didn't bite. He didn't like go on to, I mean, that's, the, that's the difference between that manager and me. Like, I want to know what's the heb. Like, all right, now I'm, now you've hooked me. I'm, I'm in, I want to hear this. Right. You could be missing out. Like, totally. Uh... Totally. I said to Joe, the problem is you people didn't understand him. See, he knew what he was doing. You don't. So. That's interesting because there was one time I was delivering a mattress. Uh, like I used to deliver <laughs> See, mattresses. These, yes, and, I was uh, just about to ask about this. This must have some good stories. Yeah, there's some a crystal related story. Like uh, I went to this one house and it was in this retirement village. And it was like... Uh, the, the people were like buying it on the internet so they hadn't seen the mattress yet and most of the time they didn't care but it was like an older woman and her adult daughter and uh i brought the mattress in and then they were like oh like let's like look at the mattress and they really wanted to examine it and then they were still not sure like oh well we don't know if we want to buy it yet and i was like well i, I was just kind of delivering it like for a quick decision you know like am i really getting paid to hang out here for a long time. <laughs> right. uh, but I was still like nervous too, of like not wanting to displease them. So then I was like, well, what's going to make you just, do you want to lie on it? What, like, uh, do you want to try it? Like, and they were trying it and then they looked at each other and they were like, well, geez, I don't know. What do you think? And then they were like, well, maybe we should ask the needle. And I was like, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> like, uh, I'm like, is this going to help speed up the decision-making process? And they're like, well, we could ask the needle. And I was like, yes, please, let's ask the needle. Like, what does that mean? Like, I mean, you like, I was curious, too. Oh, absolutely. Then, yeah, yeah. And then they brought out a knitting needle on a long string, a oh long needle, God. like yeah, four or five inches. And I was like, oh, boy, uh, no one knows where I am. Uh, they're going to find me so sewed in this mattress. But then... Uh, they like took it out and they were like looking at it and then they held it above the mattress and I was like, uh, okay. And they said needle and, and this was all deadpan, like no, it's not a joke, like, uh, but I was also into it. I was like, Ooh, like what yeah. the heck? And they were like needle. Should we buy this mattress? And then they just held the needle there and they were silent and I couldn't, t I said, what, what's the needle saying? You got to tell what's <laughs> like, what's it saying? What's it saying? Like, shh, shh. <laughs> and then they were just watching it and they're like, Needle, is this the mat does this mattress belong in our home? And uh and then like they were like, Okay, and then they they're like, Okay, we're gonna get the mattress. They didn't and then I was like, We gotta I was like, What did they how do you know what the needle said? Like it and then they said, uh I think if it went clockwise it was a yes, and if it goes counterclockwise it was a no. And I was like, So the breeze from the window just decided for you to buy the mattress or something. Yeah. Like uh or maybe it's like a way of like making a pros and cons list in a different way. Like, uh, and, uh, yeah, it, it was, uh, so the needle made that choice and, 
it was uh, I was like, can I take that needle with me? Because I'm terrible at making choices in my own life. I could probably use it like better, better the needle than me deciding. Should I have Italian tonight, or am I going Japanese? Hold on. Yeah. That would be good if you lived in New York. Like hold it above the menus, like uh, totally. kind of like a Ouija. So I mean, there was no joking around about this. They were dead serious. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like there. Yeah, it was like, uh, but it was like um, a methodized way of them making a decision. So I don't know if there was like a spiritual connection to it, or more of a. All they explained to me was what the needle was saying, and uh, and uh, and then I paid them four thousand dollars to take their secret program. Right. But I can't. Sh- I can't share the rest. <laughs> that's how. I'm, that's why I'm so happy. It's like. Uh, the, you know what that. The, the, uh, Society of the Needle. The the I don't know. Just because you mentioned four thousand dollars, it put me in mind of uh, there was this event maybe two months ago, maybe three months ago, with you know Tony Robbins, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he was at like I don't know the TD Garden or one of the exposition centers in Boston, and uh, he had Tom Brady with him. That was a big selling point. And, like, people paid, I guess, you know, anywhere from 500 to to $1,000, maybe more, to go see this. And uh, John and I were talking about it, and it just it always strikes me as so bizarre. Like, you know, I've heard what Tony Robbins has to say. I know he has books out and things. And usually it's just the same, like, you know, whatever. Just, you gotta work hard and be dynamic. And, and then, like, they just have Tom Brady come out for... Like, God knows what. I mean, I know he's famous and all that, but it's like, if I want to know how to throw a football better, sure, Tom Brady's my guy. Like, I want to hear that. Like, I want to open my own restaurant. I, You know, like, okay, if I was like Tom Brady, my restaurant would be successful. And it's just yeah. like, I could see people paying $4,000 for that needle. I could see that happening. <laughs> well, let's hope that. Uh... My future's riding on it. Like, uh, yeah, I think it is like, uh, yeah, those kind of things are always interesting. And then like probably Tom Brady got like probably a hundred grand for like an hour or two of time. Like, I know, uh, but he makes so much money, like a hundred grand. Like, so what? I mean, he could spend that on a meal and not miss it. Him and his right. wife. I don't know. I think he kind of likes, my theory is that Tom Brady is going to run for some sort of public office. He could easily be mayor of Boston here without cracking a sweat. Probably be governor. I I bet, I think, he's. this is part of his thing. I don't know. Uh, I'm making that prediction right now. I'll erase it if it doesn't come true. But, <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, I, if I was him, I would just retire and enjoy all that money. Like, move to an island. It's like, uh, why I mean, don't I, you want to... But I guess, like, it's a different mindset. Like, uh people that are in the spotlight and uh, super successful like that, like, and driven. I can see, uh, I can see the, the football thing. I mean, he's, he's competitive. That's not to do with money, but like, why are you appearing with this freak show, Tony Robbins? Who's like, I think those people really want like affirmation. They want, they need like the life coach. See, now that I'm on Skype, I can get my career as a Skype life coach launched see that that's been on the launching pad for about 10 years now <laughs> this is this is good right here this is good and let me this tell you too beginning of something yeah, yeah that's right that's right 
The needle thing is shattering none of my stereotypes about California either. I would almost expect it. I would almost be like, so don't tell me you're just going to make this decision on your own. You have a crystal or a needle or something, right? Like, that's just how it is. Yeah, I'll give you one more California stereotype. Uh, I was uh, delivering a mattress to Berkeley one time, and it Berkeley's like a, it, it's an urban area. It's like a city. Like, uh, I mean, yeah. there's a lot of family like houses, but they're all really close together. And it was one night, and it was like around 7 p.m. And I was delivering this mattress, and I was trying to find the house, and I was by myself, so I have to like, it was like a queen size mattress. I'm trying to carry it. And I go to the fence, uh, the door, the gate where the house is, and I knock on the gate. And then finally someone comes, and they're like, okay, yeah, bring the mattress in here. And, uh, like, I go in, and I walk into the living room with the mattress, and lying on the couch in the living room is like a like a 400-pound pig, like an actual, <laughs> actual pig, like a, a gigantic one that you'd see at a state fair. Lying there on the couch like it owns the house. Oh and I was like God. this is like in a in a city and I'm like whoa. whoa. And, and then they're like, Okay, bring the mattress into this um into the bedroom and can you set it up? And I was like, Well I gotta go back and get the box spring and then they're like the the, the person says, uh, this mattress has a strange smell to it and uh i was like i was like it's what's well, new i was like so there's probably like a little chemical spell but i'm like you you live in a house like with a giant pig in your living room like uh and but then i like went out to get the box spring and i'm by myself and i i think i had a bed frame so i'm trying to carry everything and i thought i kicked the the gate closed but i didn't so when i got back in the house i put the bed together it came out the family standing there and they're like did you leave the gate open? And it was like, uh, I, I, I don't, they're like, Chester's loose. Chester's escaped. The pig? Yeah. So then I spent like the next hour and a half, like running through the streets of Berkeley, trying to find this pig and terrified oh my... that I had like lost the family's prized pig. I'm like, this is like Charlotte's web too. The idiot mattress delivery person or something like, uh, and Wait, then, a 400 uh, finally, pound one of the pig kids came home with the pig. A 400-pound pig managed to get out of the living room? Yeah, it must have just jumped, dropped off the couch and waddled out the door. And uh, and no one noticed this? No one in no. the family? I, I don't know. At that part, I was like, I, I thought about just getting in my truck and leaving. Yeah, I was, I think yes. I, I think I have suffered from a concussion. Like, <laughs> there's no way this is actually happening. But uh, No, no. Yeah, I would think I was having an episode, like I was having a neurological episode. So the kid came... Did you see the kid come home with the pig? Yeah, the pig was kind of trotting along. She was like, had a treat for it. Like, uh, But I was like, what if the pig gets hurt? Like, I was like, I, I, was, I would have felt terrible. Like, uh, So wait, you went to... Like, you better, we got to take better care of your pig. You had to take better care... You have to take better care of your pig. What kind of advice? Yeah. What? But I mean, you had to deliver these mattresses by yourself? Yeah, because I was like working for myself doing it, so it's like uh, I think I got paid thirty five dollars uh, to deliver it. So it's like with gas and everything, it was it was barely uh, <laughs> breaking even. Yeah. So you like they didn't make how many people were in this family? 
it was uh, a mom and probably a few kids were in, in the house. Uh, little and kids? And it was dinner time and stuff, so it was a little chaotic, like probably on a school night, so. <laughs> you let Chester out a 400-pound pig. <laughs> yeah, I was like, like the only, only ways it could get worse. Like, like, I'm like, I go into a house with a pig, then they're complaining about the smell of the mattress, and then I let the pig go. Oh, and I hadn't been paid, so that was the other thing. I'm like, if I don't find this pig, I'm right. not going to get paid. Like, right. So, uh, yeah, but Ch- Chester was saved. It must be going through your mind, and this this happened to me, uh, which I'll just briefly describe, but as you're driving around the neighborhood, you must be thinking to yourself, I did not envision this. Like, this particular moment in my life didn't crop up in my plan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, I mean, in Berkeley, it, can, it makes sense if any city where someone would have, like, a, a, a like, a, like, because their urban farms and stuff are big there, but this was in the living room. So right. it was like, yeah, I was like, I was not expecting to walk in and see it like something straight up. I was like, am I at the Iowa State Fair or uh, am I delivering a mattress? And I mean, yeah, it's not like a little Asian pot-bellied pig or something like that, a 400-pound sow. Although I've heard pigs are very smart, so it must have realized the gate was open. Yeah, um, it, it seemed, I mean, I don't know if it was lying there, like it was like a Vermeer painting or something, like waiting for me, to, like a Botticelli, like waiting for it to be uh, painted, like lounging on the couch. So then I was like, ah, I think I'll get out of here. I'll probably get some treats or something. Yeah. Well, I had a sort of, not not similar to that at all, it just was when things start churning through your mind. I, When I worked in the film industry, I got a call to go do this job at the PGA, which I don't know if they hold it at the same place in New Jersey every year, but it's this golf course in New Jersey. Tiger Woods was there, whatever. So I was just supposed to be the overnight guy keeping an eye on the generators. So I'm all alone, all night, in this huge expanse and I would have to drive around in this golf cart and fill up the generators with gas because they had to keep <laughs> stuff powered up. And it was it was so freaky because, like, you know, the generator's making noise. I have the golf cart with this, like, light rigged up to it. And I'd be filling the thing up, and I would just get this idea that someone's behind me or something like that. So it, it was all told it was, like, two hours of actual work and then just me, like, sitting in a pickup truck all by myself in a golf course in New Jersey. And I'm thinking like, how how did this, how did I get here right now? I was making like $400 a day to do this too. I mean, it was that, that the, but the money, I was like, I'm not really thinking about the money right now. I was just like, this is bizarre. Like, why am I here? But, you know, those are good experiences, I think. It's good to, good to chase a 400 pound pig around Berkeley, you know? Yeah, or deal with the ghosts of the, the PGA or whatever. Uh, I mean, you don't get to do that working at Goldman Sachs. You know, let's yeah. face it. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it. Uh, it seems like from your show, the the higher people are paid, the worse they behave at work. Uh, it's yeah. I mean, you hear these. You know, obviously, like the Harvey Weinstein thing is an <clears throat> awful extreme example. But then there's just like, like Tony Garrett's our friend. Uh, hey, Tom. Just an editing note. Edit out Tony's last name. Uh, so Tony and our friend Tom, they both had these stories. And um, they were like, 
these guys who make like five million dollars a year, if there's free food, they're pretty much knocking everyone over to get a free barbecued pork sandwich. Like it's really pathetic. And it's like the more money you make, I guess the more sort of entitled you feel or whatever, you know, I don't, and then it's just like uh, my friend Gary had this story about um, this guy. They, he was all whacked out, totally whacked out. This is an accounting firm and all that. And, uh, you know, he's like taking methamphetamine. He doesn't show up for work for days. This guy's making like 80 grand a year or something like that. So they finally cleaned out his office and found three duffel bags filled with bottles of urine in them because he was living in the office because <laughs> he was homeless essentially it's like where do you people come from yeah or how do you forget to like put that in your auto scheduler like dump the urine like right uh, that's where that's where you slip up like uh you think you get like five bottles and you realize that's too many bottles of urine take it to the bathroom the reason he was peeing in the bottles is because he didn't want the security cameras to see that he was living in the office so he was peeing in them. I mean, good move. I, I applaud that, but you got to get rid of the evidence, dude. You know. Yeah, just lemon lime Gatorade bottles right. from now on. Like, right. Uh... <laughs> right. I mean, so why'd you leave your last job? Ah, something about the duffel bags of urine in my office. I don't do that anymore, mind you. But you know, we all have our little peccadillos. Yeah, it's a little confusion. Like, uh, it's compli- that's what when someone says it's complicated in a job interview. You say, okay, it's complicated. This is likely one of these other scenarios. Uh, it would have made more bodily fluids. Right, right. It's complicated. Okay, the interview's over. Like, that would uh, have to be on like the questionnaire. Have you ever been dismissed for a job in a bodily fluid-related incident? Ah. Uh, yeah <laughs> yeah as a matter as a matter of fact yeah yeah but yeah i think uh, that's where computers could just take the place it's like if you pause right like, <laughs> beep, beep, beep. okay application rejected but, you uh, have to think about it for a second <laughs> yeah uh so mattresses um what else you got gym teacher yeah a gym teacher. I sold iron-on patches and fuzzy dice for a while. I think I, I saw you in New York when you were doing that. Yeah, yeah. I don't have any good stories from that. That was uh, other than I wasn't terribly good at selling fuzzy dice. I, I was a mediocre. Like, talk about my parents must be so proud. They're like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I, I was a mediocre fuzzy dice and uh, iron-on patch salesman for a few years. Yeah, uh, yeah. Let a let a prize pig out. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My working experiences, and now <laughs> I bore people to sleep. <laughs> so you're at the library now. Is that yeah? So I've been at the library um, for four, I think four or five years. Yeah. Did you mention um, an odd coworker there? I thought you mentioned. Uh, was that there? No. No. I don't. Maybe Should somebody th- else who had that story. Trying to think of any what interesting coworkers stories do I have? I'm usually. I think I'm the other. I'm usually the. Uh, I'm usually the one. That oh, you're you're the guy. Yeah. The, right. Oh, they're like, Shh, here he comes. Here he comes. <laughs> All the well, conversations. Here's stop. a question to think about: Is like, what about sh- showering at work? Because my last job, at the last library I was working at, uh, 
they had these showers at work and they were never used. And I was like, one day I'm like, I asked someone after I'd been there a while, I'm like, those showers work. No, no one ever uses them. And they're like, yeah, I think they work. And then I was like, I uh, think about going for a run at lunchtime and I wouldn't mind showering. And then I was like, is that going to, I was like, is that crossing some line? And so I wanted to be quiet about it. So I started showering after I'd go for my run. Yeah. And the showers didn't have hot water. Oh. And for some reason, I just assumed like, oh yeah, they don't have. So for like a year, I was taking these freezing cold showers at work at lunch <laughs> and just sucking it up. And I was like, it's too embarrassing that I'm even showering at work to, to complain or ask. And then another person knew I was showering. So they were like, oh, I'm going to start running and, and taking showers. And then she went to me after her first day of running and she took a shower. She's like, there's no hot water. The showers are freezing. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's just part of the part of the, you know, yeah. I don't know. The, water, the hot water isn't working. She's like, yeah, so you should ask. We should ask to get it fixed. And I was like, uh, wow, that's, uh, that's br- like, I would have never, yeah. never thought of that. No, no. And then she asked and they actually fixed it. And I was like, wow, like, uh, there's something, she's like, you were showering for a year in ice cold water. <laughs> no, I, I think, I like, uh, uh, I think uh, Ted Bundy and David Berkowitz took a lot of freezing cold yeah, showers. Yeah. So you're good. You're good. Yeah, no, you see, I think. The showers are there. They're provided. So that that's perfectly... It's when... It's if you were in the bathroom, like, stripped to your skivvies and scrubbing your armpits in the sink, then it would kind of be like... And I'm sure people do that all over the country daily. But, yeah, we talked about, like, on one of the podcasts, because a friend of mine up here, um, who also went to Fordham with us, he was two years behind us, he... Uh, a co-worker would clip his toenails in the sink in the break room. Ugh. He would put his bare foot up on the... And it's just like, bro, like, that is an act of aggression. Like, you are saying F you to all of you. That is unacceptable. So, yeah. Tom, a friend of ours, Tom, he walked in on someone clipping his fingernails. You know... In the bathroom, in the sink. I mean, I don't do it personally, but now Joe said he saw someone doing it at his desk. And I'm like, all right, dude, come on now. <laughs> we don't we don't need to do that at the desk, you know. But everybody's got their own, you know, like I brush my teeth at work sometimes, but I don't floss. Someone else said he thought it was weird that you would brush your teeth at work. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't ever want to encounter floss. Um, no, that is not that's mine. Nasty. Like that's the most no. repulsive thing. It's like no. seeing floss no. out of context. It's like it's disgusting. Especially yeah. at a work bathroom oh. or yeah. a restaurant bathroom. It's like no. I guess a restaurant bathroom. It might make a tiny bit more sense, but they have toothpicks for that. It's like, oh, like floss is like. A, well, you have like OCD if you're doing it at a restaurant. I mean, that's just like, just deal with it till you get home, will you? I mean, you know, yeah. unless you're on a date, I guess, maybe, I don't know. But no, I mean, that means you carry floss around with you. Like, <laughs> you know, that's, <laughs> that's really, I imagine if you carry floss around with you, you have a fanny pack because you carry a lot of things around with you. And if you've got a fanny pack, now you're in a whole other orbit of problems. Mm-hmm. 
they take cold showers at work and uh, whistle Christmas carols. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but you know, summertime. I don't know. Is it hot there? Yeah, uh, this was in Syracuse, so it was really oh, cold. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. oh, wait, it was it was no Syracuse is cold. Oh, but in the summer when I was doing the Christmas carols, it would be no, 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 no. And when you were taking showers at work, uh, it would actually be nice, like because uh, it could be pretty hot. That's yeah, what I mean. Like, in yeah, the summer, like uh, yeah. I it was never pleasant, though. I don't know how anyone says they get used to taking cold showers. Like, it was like, a, I, I loathed it, but oh. I was like, eh, well. Some people do. They they claim. I read in a book one time about this guy who would, whenever he would take a shower, he would turn it on full cold for about 30 seconds on the back of his neck. Because, like, where all the nerve endings are to, like, get himself, and I'm like, I don't know, you sound like the type of person who dares people to punch him in the testicles. <laughs> That's kind of, you know, like in the summertime, sure, no problem, but, yeah, cold showers. Yeah, everyday basis. Yeah. Plus, if you don't have the, even the option to warm up a little bit, that's tough. But I'll get back to it. If they have showers provided. Now, I will say this. I was teaching in a different high school uh, last year. And this guy, one of my fellow teachers, a guy named Steve, he would run on the treadmill in the morning and then he would take a shower. And I was like, oh, that's pretty convenient. But then I thought, like, what if, like, the boys' football team comes in and there's their, you know, math teacher shower? Yeah. Like, I guess it didn't happen or it wasn't, I, I don't know. I never really ventured down that way or I was only there for a few months as a long-term sub, but... I was like, you know, high school's a little different animal. They kind of know their teachers are human beings and whatnot, but that still is, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's either like it, it seems bad from like it's a it's a bad idea because it's like, in, people might not be comfortable with it. It might be inappropriate. It's inappropriate, right? But also, like when you're dealing with high school kids, it's like that's going to be a, like if if they're not seeing it as inappropriate, it's like some sort of. Uh, like, like it's going to give them, they're going to be, like, a way to, like, manipulate you to be, like, I, I don't like, know. Uh, yeah. I, well, Jenkins he... was in the showers <laughs> in the mornings. Well, he he may have had his own... The teachers may have had their own... Maybe Like, maybe the coaches had a, a place. So that might have been the deal. But, you know, what would terrify me would be the towel snapping. You know. <laughs> <laughs> How about that F teach? I'm gonna give you a good towel snap now. I'd be running around. They'd be snapping a towel at me. You know, it just it, it kind of brings me back to high, my own high school days. You know, it's the probably like an archetypal teacher nightmare. <laughs> Being snapped with towels yeah. by your students, <laughs> sort of cowering in the corner while they. Yeah. <laughs> That would be good. I think that's a good movie episode, definitely. <laughs> yeah, maybe you could do it for your the the uh, video version, uh, like an HR person. Uh, <laughs> the Towel snapping. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know like offices and stuff have gyms and they have locker rooms. I mean, the higher end places. I have not worked in a place that. <laughs> Yeah, I've always dreamed of working someplace with like free soda, <laughs> right? Food, that's like, that's uh, the perk, yeah. I can't believe it. Or yeah, a gym. Like I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You got a gym at work? Uh, I know. Well, I guess back in the day in corporate America, like they had, 
I remember Tony telling me, like, there was a cafeteria downstairs. I think it was free. Like, you just eat. I was like, what? Like, I'm bringing this pathetic bagged lunch every day. It's like, yeah. damn, dude. And plus, like, you're, like, the more money people make, it seems like the more, like, free stuff they get. And it's like, damn, dog. <laughs> right. Like, if you get free breakfast and lunch at work, that's like $15 a day, probably. So, oh, what is that? Easy. Like, 50, 75 bucks a week? That's 300 bucks a month, like, extra. Yeah. 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 Well, like, and if you're working in Manhattan, I mean, it's probably. $30 a day or whatever. But yeah, I don't know. That always, I've never really, oh no, when I worked in the film industry, we always had, they were obliged to serve us breakfast and lunch. And when I worked on Law and Order, it was un, like, we get, it was like a five star buffet. Ooh. And then we'd have lunch. I mean, it was like cuts of roast beef. Like they have a chef like cutting it for you. And then like, if we worked long enough, you'd get another meal. They'd bring out, like, shrimp scampi and stuff like that. And the best thing was there were guys there who still complained. <laughs> still complained. I'm like, buddy, if your brother-in-law didn't hire you to be on this show, you would be bagging your own peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Like, let's get real here. But that seems to be, you know, the way people are. It's just like, once they get used to something, it's just... You know, garbage. They don't care. They don't like it. Yeah. So, I don't know. Well, I think we hit the 52-minute uh, mark here. Nice. Nicely done. Well, this is great. I'm like, really ugh, glad this worked out. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm glad I should... Hopefully, some of my work experiences, younger people could learn from it and not do them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we'll call the podcast an episode there, and um, see you next time. <laughs>